Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Hey, let's get started with um, a little controversy, can we? Why not? Let's just see. Let's see how this room shakes out. Let's see where we all land here. How many of you tomorrow, January 1st, is just like any other day? Don't understand all the hoopla. I don't even know why I just said hoopla. Don't understand all the fuss. Why are we making a big deal of this? It's just another Monday. Where are you people at? It don't even matter. How many of you now know that tomorrow holds with it some special magic? It has the ability to erase everything you've eaten and done wrong in 2023, and you can't wait to start your New Year's resolutions. Where are my party people at? Come on. The only one with my hand up. That's okay. I already got my planner filled out. I've got goals. I've got ways to achieve these goals. I've got books to read, food to eat and not eat. And by January 4th, I will be keeping my streak up. And then it'll be January 5th and it'll all be over. And that's okay. But no matter where you find yourself when it comes to New Year's and and January 1st, I would encourage you with these two words that I just find are so healthy during this season. It really is a time to reflect and to project, to reflect, to take some time to just look over your year. And there's so many ways you can do that. You can scroll through the photos you've taken on your phone. If you keep a journal, you can look through those entries. You can just remember the moments that you had throughout this year. And hey, I want to encourage you, don't just focus on the positive highlights. Really think about the growth moments. Think about the challenges Think about the news you weren't expecting that may have been negative because too often we can kind of go into this all celebratory and not take the time to say, you know what? I walked through some trauma this year. I experienced some tragedy. And when we reflect, God in some way has this this open door to speak life to us and say, yeah, that's what you went through. Watch this. It's not who you are. I've got a plan for you. I'm so grateful for the promise of scripture that says his mercies are new every morning. There's no extra mercy about tomorrow than there was today. And I believe you've already experienced some of his mercy today. The fact that you're here this morning, the fact that you came to this service, the fact that you just got to see a family saying we're dedicated to Jesus. Like this is his mercy on display in your life. So don't bypass that. Now, as we look ahead as a church, we always start the year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's really what, we, what we've done for years now to say, with the first three weeks of the year, we want to center our attention so intentionally on Jesus. So I would encourage you, whether you've got New Year's goals or not, If you're a follower of Jesus or not, here is a good question to write down and then think about this week. How am I going to connect more with God this year? That's just a good question we should always ask, but there is something beautiful about asking it at the start of a new year. Students, how are you gonna connect with him? Maybe you don't know Jesus, and so you're, how am I gonna start connecting with him this year? Maybe you've been walking with Jesus and you know, I just need more of him in my life. So I want to introduce you today 
to two Christian practices that have the potential, if you and I would embrace these, to help us connect with God more than ever. We should do these things. Now, next week, we're starting a series simply called How to Read the Bible. So I want you to be here for that because we're going to talk about what the Bible is and how we can read it very practically. Today, in preparation for 21 days, I want to talk to you about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Because these two Christian practices are often, I found in my own life, the hardest to live out with daily discipline. And certainly, they're not the ones that we're lining up for. How many line up for the fasting line? <laughs> we line up for the buffet line. Come on. We, we don't line up for this one. So what do we do with this? And how do we understand this? And why, always ask why, this is good leadership. You should always know the why behind the what. Why does this matter? Why, why should we even care about prayer and fasting? If his mercies are new for me today and if God loves me, why would he want me to go without food or without something? And come on, isn't he aware of my needs? Why should I be praying? Well, we're gonna look to scripture to discover the answer. So if you've never taken notes before in a church service, guess what? You've got one Sunday left this year to start. Why not start your New Year's resolution today? And you can use whatever you see around you. I had one person leave the 9.30. They're like, Pastor Keith, I wrote all over this giving envelope. Is that okay? I'm like, sure. Is there money in it? Put it in there. I was like, that's great. You took notes with what you found. So uh, be resourceful in this moment. But I want to show you through Scripture Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three books of the New Testament, all write about a moment that Jesus has. This really happened. They all write about it. And it involves prayer and fasting. And by looking at this moment, we will discover why you and I, followers of Jesus, need to embrace prayer and fasting. And you may not be a follower of Jesus. And you may say, well, how does this apply to my life? Stay with me and let me show you. You're going to find yourself in this moment as well. Now, before we read, to set the stage, Peter, James, and John, three disciples, are with Jesus up on a mountainside, and the miraculous happens. Jesus is what we translate as trans transfigured. He's just glowing with the presence of God. And Peter, James, and John are there, and God the Father speaks and says, this is my son, listen to him. And they just have this like crazy worship service with Jesus. And then they come back down the mountain, the four of them, to find the situation we're gonna read about. A father has brought his son to Jesus's disciples for healing. The son is demon-possessed. And he's expecting freedom for his son and healing for his son. And here's where we read scripture. So if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 17 is where we'll start. And then we're gonna flip over to Mark in a few moments. Matthew 17, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. The they is the three disciples and Jesus and the man is the father. So just get the picture here. I think it's important that as we read the Bible, we'll talk about this next week. We read slow enough to grasp what's happening. So they come down, there's a crowd, and a man approaches Jesus and kneels down. Here's what he says, verse 15. Lord, have mercy on my son. I love the word mercy. I think without knowing it, you and I are constantly asking for mercy. We're constantly saying to the Lord, don't give me what I deserve. Help me, be with me. 
That's why he says, my mercies are new each morning for you. Because how many like me know yesterday's mercy isn't enough. I need today's mercy. I'm going to need new mercy tomorrow. So he says, have mercy on my son. Why? Well, he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Now, watch what the father says next. I don't think this is too kind, but I'm not the dad he is. He says, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. To which I think they go, really, bro? (laughs) You're going to throw us under the bus like that? And how many know Peter, James, and John weren't with them in that moment? So you know Peter doesn't say it, but I think it says, wasn't me. They probably brought him to Judas. Of course, he couldn't do it. They probably brought him to Bartholomew or Thomas. He's always doubting. Right? But the father's there and he's saying, listen, I need mercy. I need help. My son needs healing. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. Now, what's so interesting about this moment is the disciples have already cast out demons in their ministry. At this point, Jesus has commissioned them and said, I'm sending you out to heal the sick, cast out the demons, pray for those who need anything and it will be done. And in fact, we read that they've already done it and come back and have said to the Lord, what you said is true. The demons listen to us. The people are healed. The lame walk. So what the father's asking the disciples to do is not beyond their doing. But for some reason, they can't. And as you and I go into a new year, maybe like me, you're praying some big prayers and asking God to come through in some miraculous ways and wondering, will he do it? Can he do it? Is he able? Will he use me? And the disciples, remember who we're talking about. These are men who we would say are saved. They're following Jesus. They believe in him. They can't do it. What's the problem? Jesus tells us what the problem is. And I know you didn't come to church on the last Sunday of the year to hear these strong words, but this is what Jesus says. He looks at his disciples and says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Happy New Year. Are you encouraged? I went to that Blaze Church and they called me an unbelieving pervert. I ain't never going back. No, Jesus did. (laughs) Thank you very much. Think about how this feels for these disciples in this moment. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. We're going to talk about what that means. Let's finish Jesus's words. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Now what Jesus is going to do in this moment, because Jesus is loving, Jesus is gracious, he is merciful. He is going to do what you and I would do if you're a parent. He's going to bring discipline. And discipline is correction to get us back on the path. So what's happened, that's how we define it in our house. We tell our kids, discipline gets you back on the path. Discipline leads to restoration. We're bringing discipline because something's broken right now. Your relationship with your teacher, your sister, your brother, whoever. Jesus is going to discipline them to get them back on the path. And he starts by pointing out the problem. And the problem is found in the two words that are underlined. Would you say them with me? Unbelieving, perverse. Say it again. Come on. Unbelieving, perverse. 
Now, what do those words mean? And I wanna just show you what we're gonna learn the next couple weeks as we learn to study the Bible is when we come to a word that causes us to say, huh, what does it mean? We should slow down and say, huh, what does it mean? And find out. (laughs) That's just, I don't get it. Okay, no, no. What does it mean? So I did some of the homework for you. I looked it up in the Greek and we'll talk about that. But here's what it simply means to be unbelieving. Very basically, you wanna know what it means to be unbelieving? You're not connected enough to God. To be unbelieving is to be not connected enough to God. Now, remember who we're talking about. These are disciples and these disciples have believed in God. These disciples have put their faith in God. But Jesus says, but now you're unbelieving. So you were connected, but now you're not connected enough to me. And watch this, by saying perverse, that word to pervert something is to twist it, to distort it, to make a counterfeit. I want to define it this way. If unbelieving is you're not connected enough to God, to be perverse means you're too connected to the world. And when we say world and when the scriptures use the word world, oftentimes it's not talking about the circle earth. It's talking about the mindset of unbelievers the patterns that many of you used to have before you surrendered to Jesus and had a renewed mind. So watch this. Jesus says to disciples, the problem is you're not connected enough to me and you're too connected to the world. There's a connection problem here. So he brought his son to you and you should have been able to handle this. But right now in this time, you're not connected enough to me and you're way too connected to worldly things. So here's what I would invite you to do with warning this week. If you're bold enough to pray a dangerous prayer, ask God, write this one down. God, show me where I'm not connected to you and I'm too connected to the world. God, show me where I'm not connected enough to you and I'm way too connected to the world. And the reason why that prayer is dangerous is because if you pray it, do you know what he'll do? He'll show you. He'll show you. He'll say things like, you know, you used to be so consistent with your pray first attitude. And that's cute that you wear the bracelet, but you don't do it. You used to, when a problem came up, pray scripture. Now you Google You worry. You're too connected to the world. We used to have fun together. We used to praise and worship. We used to to read scripture and I would speak to you and you would write and you would listen and you would walk it out. And you, you never used to watch what you're watching now. You let your standards go. You're too connected to the world. You used to never respond that way and now you are. He's so faithful to do it unbelieving and perverse. That's the problem. We're going to get to the solution in a moment, but I want to pick up the moment, the day in Mark, because Mark writes about some words that Jesus has with the father. So remember the dad came. So here's how Mark writes for us. Mark nine, verse 20. So they brought him. So that's the father and the son. And when the spirit saw Jesus, now that's not the Holy Spirit, that's the demonic spirit. When that spirit sees Jesus in that boy, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground. He rolled around, foaming at the mouth. 
And then watch what Jesus does. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And do you know what I love about that? How many know Jesus already knows the answer to that question? Do you know what Jesus is doing? He's relating. He's slowing down. He's being curious. Through the few years of counseling that I've now been in, I've discovered that curiosity is such a key trait that we need to embody as humans. We have to be curious about each other's lives. We have to be empathetic. We have to care. We can't assume to know everything because we saw it on Instagram. Sure, it looked like a good trip to the city, but they didn't take a picture when a kid was losing their mind on the train. So ask, how was the trip? (laughs) How are you doing? How are you? I just love that Jesus models for us what it means to be kind. He could have skipped that one, but he didn't. So the father answers from childhood. He goes on and says in verse 22, it is often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Now watch this. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. In one word, the father is looking for what you and I need, mercy. We need mercy. And the father shows up with, I'll tell you, an attitude that I've had many times, and maybe you have it today. It's an if you can attitude. It's a, I'm at the end of my rope attitude. It's a desperation. It's a, I've tried everything. I, the father, I've been to the doctors. I've been to your disciples. And I'm just saying, if you can, if you can, and I'm telling you this morning, if you have an, if you can attitude, you are in the best place you could be on December 31st. Because God does something with that. Maybe you've thought, well, if I don't have it all together and if I don't have a perfect faith, God can't do anything. And doesn't he need me to muster up my strength and not have any doubt mixed in? No, no, let's see what happens. The father says, if you can, and Jesus responds and watch what Jesus says. If you can, he asks it back. If you can, and he wants to lead him somewhere. So he goes, everything is possible for the one who, what's the word? Say it with me nice and strong. Believes. He says, everything's possible for the one who believes. You came here this morning with an if you can. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Everything's possible for the one who believes. Now, we need to be very careful here. And we're going to stay careful throughout the reading of God's word because this is where we can build up a false gospel teaching that's centered on our faith. It's all about how we believe, the level of our belief, the depth of our belief. And do you know what that does? That depresses people. That burdens us. Oh, well, I must not be experiencing healing or the miraculous or breakthrough or freedom because I just don't believe. And then we get all focused on our belief. And do you know what? It all becomes about us. And that's just not what we're going to see. Where do we get it from? The words of Jesus. So say with the conversation, Jesus says everything's possible for the one who believes. Now the father's going to respond. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, and look at his exclamation. I do believe, help me overcome. What's the word? My unbelief. So do you know what we're going to call that here at Blaze Church? Authentic faith. Real Christianity. It's messy. 
It's, man, I had great faith this morning, but it's the afternoon and I'm struggling. Yeah. What? It's, it felt good on Tuesday, but now it's Thursday. It's, I've got faith, but help me with my unbelief. The Father is expressing to Jesus, I do believe everything's possible for the beliefs. I do believe, but also help me with my unbelief. There's faith mixed with doubt within this body. What do I do with that? And watch this. What does Jesus say to that? Because that's where maybe your religious experience, you've heard that Jesus would say to you, you got to go get some more faith. You got to work on that. And then I can work with you. So what will he say? And I love what Jesus does next. Watch it. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Matthew tells us that the rebuke did not come, don't miss this, did not come to the father. The rebuke came to the demon. And that is the difference between grace and religion. Religion would have you think that God is wagging his finger at you, rebuking you and telling you, try harder and then you'll get to me. No, no, no. To this father who is in need of mercy, and that might be you today, saying, I believe, but I'm also struggling. Jesus says, come. Not I rebuke you. He rebukes the demon and the boy was healed. So watch it. Jesus does something with a little bit of faith and maybe more doubt. And he still does it because the father said, I do got faith, but I've also got some doubt. And Jesus goes, I can work with that. Now that's good for the dad. And that might be good for you today. If maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, this is where you should find yourself. Someone who's saying, I believe, but I'm also struggling. And Jesus is saying, come on in, come on in, be my disciple. But let's not forget the disciples because the disciples were told you're unbelieving and perverse. So what do I do? Because me, I'm a disciple. What do I do with that? Unbelieving and perverse. So the disciples need some clarity. So Matthew tells us about a conversation that they have with Jesus. Turn back to Matthew 17, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus and look at how smart they were. What does it say? In private. They're not dumb. They're not doing this in front of the crowds. They find the closest fig tree and go, Jesus, come here, come here, get over here. Hey, why couldn't we drive it out? What? What? Because again, like I told you, they knew they should have been able to. They've already done it. They've seen demons be cast out. They've seen people healed. They've seen the miraculous. They've used Jesus's authoritative name. And to say it this way, it worked. <laughs> he worked. The miraculous happened. So they're like, why couldn't we do it? I already told you, you're unbelieving and perverse. Yeah, I need more than that. I'm a disciple. I believe. Okay, okay, I'll give you a little more. And here's what he says, watch. And don't step in the trap. I'm gonna show you the trap. He replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. 
And this is why for a couple weeks, we are going to learn how to study the Bible for ourselves because if you're not careful here, we can take that verse out of its context and say, ah, so it is all about my faith and I need more faith. That's not what he's saying. We have to go to the Greek to understand it. So, so little faith. We say it that way. They're having fun. But the Greek word that's used, and if you speak Greek, I'm so sorry. I'm going to butcher your language, but here's my best shot at it. Aligopistos. Aligopistos. It's really Italian. (laughs) Aligopistos. So I could say it that way. And here's what this word means. And write this down if you want to. It's number 3640 in the Strong's Concordance. And next week, you'll know what that means of how to look up Greek words by numbers. Number 3640. It simply means this, lacking confidence. And more fully, here's the way to understand it. Remember, this was written in Greek. We got a one word, so little faith, but here's what it means. It describes someone dull of hearing the Lord's voice or disinterested in walking intimately with him. This is not about a level of faith issue. The problem is somewhere along the way, the disciples became disinterested in walking with Jesus intimately. Maybe they got built up on, wow, this is cool. It's working. We can do it. We don't need to pray and fast anymore. We don't need to read God's word. We know it all. This is happening. How cool. And then Jesus goes, no, no, you you gave up walking with me. Somewhere along the way, you became disinterested in a relationship with me. You started playing church. You started playing Christianity, but you did not stay connected. So what does Jesus do? He uses something so small that they would have understood because they see it all the time. We only see a mustard seed if you go to a Christian bookstore. (laughs) It's in a little jar and it has this Bible verse on it. But they would have known a mustard seed. That's a small seed. And what's a seed? It's undeveloped. It's loaded with potential if put in the right conditions. But there's nothing special about a seed. It's a little, tiny, undeveloped seed. And Jesus goes, yeah, if you even had that level of faith. But somewhere along the way, you grew disinterested in me and stopped walking with me. And that's why you're unbelieving and perverse. You're no longer connected to me. You're too connected to the world. And so you could not cast the demon out. And so I need you to hear this this morning. So we don't get all fixed on, okay, I guess the solution then is to grow more faith. No, it's not about your level of faith. Let me say it this way. It's the leader of our faith, not the level of our faith that matters. It's Jesus that matters. The disciples didn't even have a mustard seed size faith in Jesus. They were that disconnected from him and they walked with him. And somewhere along the way, they grew content. They became complacent. They grew disinterested. What, how you say that word again? Aligopistos. Aligopistos. Right? Somewhere they lacked confidence. Somewhere, and Jesus goes, the dad had faith and unbelief. And clearly he even had a mustard seed sized faith. And I worked with that. But my guys, my goons, 
You don't even have that. So what do we do? Jesus tells us. He says this, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So watch this. This is so cool. He starts off with the problem. You're unbelieving and perverse to his disciples, to you and I, as we close out a year and a month of indulgence. Isn't December indulge yourself month? This is treat yourself month. And I've been treating myself all month long. Ice cream and fried food and overspending and the cheesecake. Yesterday I bought AirPods just because I wanted to. <laughs> I don't want AirPods. Don't even matter. Probably return them tomorrow. <laughs> we indulge. We overspend. We overeat. And we disconnect from God and we connect to the world. So watch this. Jesus gives us the solution to the problem. If unbelief is you're disconnected from God, you know what prayer does? Prayer connects us to God. That's why you need to pray. First, second, and always. Prayer at its heart connects us to God. When I pray, I don't come and say, God, do what I want. We pray, not my will, but your will be done. I want to be connected to you because there's parts of me that have become disconnected. I'm unbelieving. So watch this. You, you know the answer. If unbelieving is you're not connected enough to God and prayer connects us to God. And if perverse means you're too connected to the world, what do you think fasting means? It disconnects us from the world. So if perverse is you're too connected to the world, then fasting at its heart, and I know that we need so much more time, we don't have it today. So I need you to write this down, blazechurch.org slash fasting. We have a webpage with sermons and resources to explain fasting, but at its heart, fasting is, I'm gonna disconnect from the world. I'm gonna say no for a season, to the things that bring me comfort, to the things that satisfy me. That's why we encourage during 21 days, a soul fast, get rid of the social media, get rid of the Netflix for 21 days. Food fast, talk to your doctor, okay? But in some way, what am I gonna give up? Sugars, alcohol, bread, meals, whatever it is, I'm going to go without because these are, we, we name it. You know what they're called. What are those foods called? They're called comfort foods <laughs> because they comfort us. And we say for 21 days, I want to disconnect from the things of this world so that God might show me you're way too connected to that thing. You can't end the day without a drink of that. We need to talk about it. You can't imagine not seeing that. Can't miss my show. We got to talk about it. He wants to talk because he loves you. Remember, this is his grace. Fasting is not punishment and fasting is not bargaining. So you don't say, okay, God, I'll give up broccoli for 21 days and you bless me. I'm going all in. Throw in the cauliflower. In fact, you can have green beans too. It's fine. All of it's yours, Lord. And I just... I just want to see at the end of these 21 days, a new car in Jesus' name, more money. God bless you, brother. I just, healing, we, this is not a bargaining chip. Do you know what the blessing is in 21 days of prayer and fasting? Jesus. It's him. 
you will experience more of him over these 21 days by praying daily and fasting regularly than any other time. We will disconnect from the world and we will connect to our God. I like what one pastor says, when you fast, you get God's alignment for your assignment. You wanna know what God wants to do in you in 2024? Fast. Get his alignment for the assignment he has for you this year. So we've got ways to do this. I wanna highlight a few. Starting January 7th is our 21 days, but January 8th, that Monday, every weekday for three weeks at 6.45 a.m., we will have a live prayer service on Zoom led by our team here, pastoral leaders and trustees. Every day, you can wake up and, man, 6.45, I'm jumping on and I'm, one of my pastoral leaders is gonna be praying, leading me in prayer. Every Saturday during 21 days, we will have an hour-long prayer service at our building. So every Saturday, you know, at nine o'clock, I know where I'm going, going to church. And all 21 days long, there are different small groups that are meeting throughout the week to huddle eight to 12 people to pray. Guys, I just want to tell you, you will have ample opportunity to pray during these 21 days. And I need it, man. Even if we're just doing this for me, I need it. When them grumbles start coming, I'm like, all right, I got my small group tonight. It'll be okay. And tomorrow morning, I'll wake up and I'll jump on a prayer. It'll be okay. And it's Saturday, we got prayer, so it'll be okay. Come on, we want to be a church that seeks God, his blessing. So ask the Lord this week, where am I not connected enough to you and where am I too connected to the world? Let him show you. And then apply the solution. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. And I'm going to do more in 2024 than ever before. And hey, that rhymed. I like that. God has a good plan for your life. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. Worship team's going to join me on stage. We're going to sing one last song before we head out these doors and ring in a new year. I want to pray for you, especially if you don't know Jesus as your savior. You might be the father in that story. You might be coming with, I believe, but help my unbelief. And you're saying, God, I just want to know you today. I want to know that you're real and I want to put my faith in you. Scripture says, we declare with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. It's a promise. So every week, we have a moment where you, for the first time, can call on him. We're gonna pray as a church. And I invite you, if you wanna know Jesus today, as we pray, make this your prayer. Would you say this with me? Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died and rose again so I could be forgiven. Thank you for new life. Today, I surrender mine. In Jesus' name, amen.